I have preached and spoken before in uh, windy conditions, but I'll have to admit this is my first two-hymnal Sunday. And if this all blows away, that we're going to have a very short sermon, but we'll see if we can get one hymnal in place and the other hymnal in place. Now, I'm old school because um, Nate reached over to me and he said, Gene, don't you want me just to put a three-hole punch and put them in a notebook where they'll just stay there the whole time? I said, that would have been a good idea. So next time, I still am learning, right? So we appreciate that. Nate has been leading us through a sermon series in the book of Colossians. And the theme has been rooted together. And uh, you remember on the very first week, he gave us an illustration that has stuck with me these past three weeks. How many remember the sequoia tree? What a great illustration. And I've been thinking about that. In fact, I, I'm trying to picture it in my mind. And Nate told us that sequoia trees can grow 300 feet. Now, to get a little idea of that, our sanctuary is about 30 feet. Go up 10 more times, 300 feet. And yet he reminded us that their roots only go 12 to 14 feet deep. Look at this exposed brick right here at the grass. That's about 12, 13 feet. That 300-foot tree is held together by those roots. How can it withstand the storms? How can it withstand the winds? How can it withstand the uh, catastrophes that happen over 3,000 years of its life? Well, Nate also explained that those roots don't go just down, but they go out. And they grab hold of the roots of the trees around them. They grab hold of those around them. And that's what holds them in place. And this is the picture of our church, the Church of Jesus Christ. We don't just put our roots down, but we put them out. And we hold on. And this is what anchors us in a world that is postmodern, post-Christian, that tells you there is no truth. But we put our roots in the truth that is found in the Word of God. That was Nate's very first message, that we have truth. Not only do we have the truth of the Word of God, but it points us to the one who is the truth, Jesus Christ. And that's what anchors us. And that's what anchors us together. And then Nate went on in that second week to explain not only do we put our roots in the Word of God, but we reach them out as we are contending, encouraging, and committed to one another. These are the things that bring us in connection with other people's lives in our church. And then he gave us a quote that I've been thinking about also during these last three weeks that when we put our roots down and we put them out, Faith Covenant Church will not just be a service to attend, but a community to belong. This is what we are seeking, and this community can be a witness to this community and our world that this is the family you can have in Jesus Christ. And then last week, he went on to tell us that not only do we need to put those roots down in the truth and, and reach out to our brothers and sisters, but we need to weed those roots. Just as the parable of the seeds, those, root, those weeds would choke out the good roots, choke out our faith. We need to be free from the roots of lies, legalism, lawlessness, and by doing so, we become liberated. And finally, this week, we come to this week. What do we need to do for our roots? Well, if you turn in your scriptures this morning, the ones that were read earlier in Colossians 3, you'll see the very first two words. It's called put on. Put on. What do we need to put on our roots? 
to take the next step to build these roots together, rooted together. And I saw those words put on, and I, I thought immediately of a, a sermon analogy. And um, I'm telling you, the Lord just came up with a lot better one than I had this morning. And thank you, Angela. But my first one was put on the fertilizer. Now, that didn't just quite capture the picture I wanted to say, even though it would function that way. So then I said, well, I can't say that. If any of you grew up on a farm, that just conjures up all sorts of ideas. Um, so I said, no, no, put on the turf builder. But you know what's even better? Put on the make grow. We're going to talk about putting on the make grow today. Now, let me tell you, I know practically the importance of putting on turf builder, putting on the make grow. About 35 years ago, the Lord gave us a house out on Lake Holiday. And uh, some of you have enjoyed that at a Sunday picnic. Uh, we all invite you all in July to come out for Lake Day. We hope you have a great time. And those first two summers, we were enamored with the lake. We enjoyed the beach. We enjoyed the boating, all the fun we were having. And then my neighbor, who didn't live there just on weekends like we did, came over. He lived there every day. And he said, Gene, I have to talk to you. Oh, yes, uh, Albert, what, what's up? He said, well, your lawn is ruining my lawn. All your dandelion weeds and all your uh, crabgrass, all this is coming into my manicured lawn that I feed and put on fertilizer. I put on the, the turf builder every year. You're going to put on turf builder. Here's the phone number. Here's the person that will do it. So for the last 30-some years, I've been putting on the turf builder. And I can re tell you that the lawn looks much better. It requires the same kind of things that Angela was talking about. We need to put on more. We need to put on more. So what is it that Christ is telling us, or Paul is telling us to put on here this morning that will make our roots grow stronger together? Well, if you look at verse 12 in Colossians 3, you'll see that there are five qualities. And in verse 13, there's going to be a sixth quality. And we're going to focus on this. Angela introduced them for us. They're qualities of Christ-likeness, qualities that we need to demonstrate to each other. Now, there's some of you here who are hurting. And you're going to say, I need those qualities shown to me. How can I show those qualities? Well, I encourage you, just as the widow gave her two mites, the least of the gifts, in giving her two mites, the giving what she could give, she was blessed above all others. So I invite you, no matter where you're at this morning, out of a life of abundance or a life of suffering and, and, and hurting, to think about how in what way you can give out these qualities, put on these qualities on your life that you can share with others. The first one is compassion, translated often as tender-hearted mercy. It's the one who's moved by compassion. Now, in our modern age of um, electronic communication we see this all the time we see it in our movies we see it in drama we see our hearts are moved they're trying to get us to empathize with the hero and we think oh no if we could only help or I hope he gets help and we have great compassion for that person on the screen or that person in the book but God reminds us that we need to have great compassion to those people that sit right on this lawn with you and live in this community and are part of this country how can we show compassion to real people? How can we take that emotion and say, yes, my heart bleeds, my heart is hurt, my heart wants to make a difference. I want to show compassion to that person. We need to focus on real people and real needs and real hurts 
And we, when we do, the compassion of Jesus Christ will fill our hearts and we'll say, yes, I want to do something about that. I want to make a difference. Now, as I go through each of these names, I want to give you a little exercise. We'll see how far you can get with this. But I want you to think and interact with me. Can you think of someone you know who demonstrates that characteristic? Or do you know someone who needs you to demonstrate that characteristic? Do you know someone who shows compassion or needs compassion today? And as we go through each one of those, I'm just going to ask you that question, and then we'll circle back. Compassion, tender-hearted mercy, being moved by the needs of others. Second, kindness. Kindness is the virtue of a man whose neighbor's good is as dear as their own. Let me say that again. It's a virtue whose a man or woman's needs, a neighbor's needs, are as dear as their own. In other words, if you need a meal, that's as much as if I needed a meal. If you need support, that's just like if I needed that support. If you need company, it's just like I need that company. It's someone who can identify needs and realize those needs are just as important as my needs. Hey, you take care of yourself. I got myself to take care of first. No, you have a need. I understand that's the need I share with you. I want to meet that need. And that's what kindness shows. It's reaching out and being aware of the needs around you. Are we aware of the needs around us? Can you think of somebody who addresses those needs? Is there someone that you need to respond to that has a need that you can fill? The next one is humility, often translated as lowliness. Now, it's interesting, and I'll tell you a little bit about uh, how, how language has evolved since the Bible times. Humility in the times of Jesus was almost always tinged with servitude. It was always like lowliness. Well, if, of course you're humble. You're lower than me. You know, you're, I'm the slave master. You're the slave. I'm the master. You're the servant. I'm the king. You're the subject. And you need to be humble before me. It always had that tinge. Barclay says this. This virtue is often one that was realized that we created by the church. The church created the modern concept of humility. Because the modern concept of humility is even though we share an equal status as creatures of God, we share that we're sons and daughters of the king, I now show humility. Not because I'm subject, but because I am choosing to serve you humbly. A virtue created by the understanding of what God has done to build, to cre in his creation and in his church. Meekness and gentleness. Now, if that one needed some explanation, this one really is a stretch, so stick with me on this. Gentleness is the word that is translated in most translations. It's, it's meekness, the same word that is used for meek and the description of Jesus as meek. But if I said gentle and meek to you, you would think I would pull out my little bunny rabbit and just, you know, just show you how meek and gentle I am. And that's a misunderstanding of what it meant in the context. Just as humility has grown to mean what it truly meant for us, this word has lost its meaning in the modern world. Let me tell you what Aristotle said this definition of this word was. Are you ready? This is a definition from that time from Aristotle. He said, gentleness is the one who experiences the happy mean between too much and too little anger. Whoa. This person 
is the one who knows how, much, how to show enough anger, but not too much. I think a much better definition of meekness is power under control. That's Jesus. Jesus could have called down 10,000 angels. He had all the power in the world. He could have done that on the cross, and yet he controlled that power to sacrifice his life for you and me. And yet when he saw people desecrating his, dad, his father's temple, he could pull out the whip and drive them out. Power under control. Now, I have to share a little bit of personal testimony here. As one who is an, an acknowledged rageaholic, um, there's some of us here that belong to that support group, the Rageaholics Anonymous. My name is Gene. It's not supposed to turn the hymnal over. Okay, we're good. No. The, um, I can tell you when that anger is under my control, I'm just about 100% guaranteed to use it at the wrong time in the wrong way. But when that is under God's control, when it's under his control, that power under his control can be used the right way in the right time and withheld when gentleness and meekness needs to be demonstrated. This is what we need in our lives to demonstrate gentleness and meekness. The fifth and final quality is patience. Patience. Why do we need patience? Well, we live in a fallen world. Everyone will disappoint you at some point. We are all broken. We are all uh, broken in our failures in one way or the other. And those failures and that brokenness will live out in our lives. And you're going to have to be patient with me. I'm going to have to be patient with you. We have to bear one another's burdens. And so, not mistake weakness, but bear this as one who shows true patience. Now, I asked you to do that little exercise as we went through this to see if you could come up with a name of someone that demonstrates that or someone you need to demonstrate it to. But as a good teacher, there's a lesson. You do the concept, and you do the illustration, and then you do the application. Well, I'm going to do the illustration. I want to go back over those five things and tell you somebody that I think of when I think of one or more of those qualities. And actually, I asked for some help. I called Rita Christensen yesterday. She's the head of our care team here at Faith Covenant. And when I think of these qualities, I think of Rita and her team, first of all. They have done hundreds of meals during this pandemic and reached out in many, many ways to people who were isolated and alone and restricted and under quarantine and have done things and gotten um, groceries and on and on and on. That care team is wonderful. So I said, I said, help me think about some examples of maybe people who demonstrated these kind of characters, these Christ-like qualities to build roots. And um, when I mentioned each thing, I said, compassion. Who has had empathy for someone else that's demonstrated compassion? And one of the first names that came to her mind was Heather Carlson and Elsa. She said, Gene, they're not even on the care team. This is not even what the care team does. But they realized Heather and her young daughter, Elsa, have reached out to a senior who lost a spouse and decided to have lunch with them on a regular basis. In fact, it's such a regular thing that now Elsa's job is to call ahead and get the Subway sandwich order so they can bring the, sand, the right sandwich. Old and young, building roots together, intergenerational, cross, reaching out to one another in compassion. Or how about kindness? 
Actually, we came up with the same name right away. Sue Arseth. Sue Arseth lives in Montgomery. If you ever heard of it, it's on the other side of Aurora. And yet Sue regularly helps people in Wheaton, Warrenville, West Chicago, going above and beyond. She's in our small group. All of a sudden, when I get back to the small group, I said, uh, you know, there's been some people that have been quarantined and can't come. And Sue says, well, I, I called her yesterday, and I checked in here, and I checked in there. There's, we don't have a small group checker in her. But Sue does that because their needs are just as real as hers. Their wants are just as real as hers. So I, call, I called her up yesterday afternoon because I make a habit to make sure I don't mention anybody's name in a sermon or a talk I'm giving without letting them know first. And so I called Sue. I don't know what you were doing yesterday afternoon, beautiful Saturday afternoon. I called Sue. Sue, can I talk to you? She said, sure. I said, what are you doing? She said, I just dropped off a meal for one of our seniors. And I'm just headed over to a family with newborns that can't get out because of the COVID restrictions with their children and give them some company. Oh, oh, okay, Sue. Um, well, could I use you as an illustration? <laughs> their needs are as important as her needs. Whose needs do you need to think about this morning that can be just as important as yours? Humility. Humility, realizing even though we're equals or even that I may have status, I'm going to be a servant. I was a preacher's kid, and everyone would defer to my father. He was the pastor at Pastor Frost, and uh, soon to be Reverend Nate. I think of Nate when I think of humility. He could say, hey, I'm the pastor. I, I have my degree. I, have my, uh, I was the number one preacher in my class. I was the top of my seminary. He could exercise those things, but what I see him constantly do is how can he serve? How can he humble himself to come alongside? You know, one of the first things he did when he came to this church, he set up lunches out at Windsor because he knew they couldn't get to him, but he could get to them. You know what he was doing last night? What was he doing last night? Pizza with college boys. Tonight. Oh, is it tonight? I don't know why you looked at me like that. What, what did he do last night? Pizza tonight. What's he doing tonight? Pizza, right. Okay, thank you. So I think, when I think of Nate, I think of somebody who could exercise their status, exercise their position, and yet humbles himself to serve one another. Well, you all want to know what I came up with for meekness. Power under control. Emotion under God's control. Well, when I think about that, I think of Stan Austin. Stan encountered challenges and difficult decisions and circumstances, both professionally as a judge but also in this church life, we all run into difficult times, difficult decisions, things where our, our desires conflict with one another. And yet I watch Stan so often step back and not just rush in and try to be deliberate and think about where do we need to push, where do we not need to push, where do we need to be gentle, where do we need to be consistent, this life of meekness and gentleness. And then finally, I didn't have to go too far for this, if you know uh, what my lifestyle's like and what I get myself into and uh, the crazy things I do and how I sabotage my own efforts many times and how I use two hymnals instead of putting things in the notebook, you'll think of my wife, Barb. Barb shows, amen. Barb, great patience. 
putting up with me, putting up with the things I, I do and need, showing patience. I use these examples to ask yourself, who can you see and thank and commend for demonstrating these ingredients? But more importantly, I ask you this morning, who can you show these things to? I hope one or more names came up in your community, in this church, where you work, where you go to school, somebody who needs these characteristics of compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, patience. And some of you are, are, are having some names come to mind and they're gonna be difficult names because those people are difficult people. They're difficult to serve. Maybe they've hurt you on purpose or in, unintentionally. They've let you down, they've disappointed you. But there are people in your life that need your help. Well, they have one more thing, one more ingredient of building root. And if you look at verse 13, you'll see what it is. Verse 13, I'm sorry, yes, verse 13. Bearing with one another, and if one has a complaint against another, forgiving each other as the Lord has forgiven you, so you also must forgive. Did you hear the imperative? You must forgive. It's not an option. If you find someone that you resent or somebody you're holding something against, somebody who hurt you or caused you distress and, and you find that there's still anger and resentment and you're holding something against them, I'm telling you here based on the word of God, you must let go. Holding on is just like taking poison hoping the other person dies. You're only hurting yourself. You're only holding yourself back. You're only holding yourself back from these qualities being exercised in your life. We need forgiveness to let go, to reach out, open our fingers so that we can reach out with these qualities. And so some of us this morning maybe need to forgive. Forgive as Jesus forgave you. Forgive as Jesus forgave the whole world. There's nothing done to you that Jesus hasn't already forgiven. And we forgive first. Christ died in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. So these are the qualities that I think that are in our bucket. That if we use those qualities with each other, our roots will not only grow deep, but they'll grow out. They'll grow strong and they will grab on. But there's one more question for some of you sitting here this morning. Gene, I cognitively agree with everything you're saying. I get it. I know I would be happier if I would demonstrate those qualities. I know I would be happier if I would experience that and share that. I know I'd be happier if I let go of resentments and, and things that I'm holding on to. But where do I get the motivation? Where do I get that? You see, you can spread all the turf builder on this lawn that you wanted. Nothing will happen until one more thing happens. You got to put water on it. You got to flood it. You got to have the rains come. You got to water it. Look in this next verse. And above all these things, listen, ready, put on love. Above everything else, don't forget the love. The love is the motivation. If we have love in our hearts, it will come out in these ways. If we can absorb and understand and comprehend the depth and width 
and height of God's love and let that into our heart. It will motivate these things. It will humble us. Who am I to hold back when God didn't hold back anything for me? I have the privilege of showing God's love to the world. How can I show compassion? How can I show kindness? Who can I serve? What needs are aware? God has given me an ocean of love. If I could tap into that, I can share it with our world. Why do we gather once a month, the first Sunday of every month, to remember the Lord's death? So that we can remember the depth of his love for us. That he died for us. Anybody here being asked to die for someone else? That's what Jesus did for us. In a few moments, that's what we're going to remember. As we have our heads bowed and as we pray, we're going to remember what God did for us. And we can simply ask, God, that love you showed me, will you fill my life with that love? Will you pour it over me? Will you allow me to forgive and let go and serve? I want to experience your love so that I can share it with others. And this is why we do it month after month, because we're human. We fall back. We get discouraged. We get hurt. We hold on. And each time we need to remember to come back to this love. Above all, put on love. Put on the turf builder. Put on the root grow. Put on the love. Let me close with this last verse that was read this morning. And whatever you do, in word or deed, do everything of the, in the name of Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. Amen.